Welcome back, Bitcoin Accumulation Country. I'm your host, Coin Icarus. This is the Fun with Bitcoin podcast, sponsored by Crypto Cloaks 3D Printing. And we are in season three, and this is episode 42. And I hope everybody's having a great week. I sat down um, earlier this week, actually last weekend, and spoke with a fellow Bitcoiner, Jay Get BTC. Like the rest of us, you know, got introduced to Bitcoin. It's not, uh, you know, a any type of influencer, right? Like just a plebe like the rest of us. And um, yeah, we, uh, you know, had a really interesting chat about a, really the basis was one specific thread, okay, of a, um, a peer, you know, apparently a no-coiner, right? Or we could call him a pre-coiner now, maybe, after all the work that Jay Get did. And he just cycled through all of the, you know, the garbage narratives that we've been fighting for 10 years. And anyways, I had to sit down with Jay Get and just talk about this because, you know, he showed a lot of patience and was also, you know, very concise with the information that he was providing. Anyways, we're going to post a link to that, um, that actual thread in the show notes. But before we get started... We are going to talk about dollar cost averaging and Swan Bitcoin. For anybody who is interested in dollar cost averaging and who wants to be purchasing Bitcoin but doesn't want to be spending their time constantly watching the charts and listening to traders that they really have no idea whether these people are credible or not, and you kind of just want to put this in kind of in a passive sleep mode where you're simply just accumulating and hodling, being able to transfer that Bitcoin out to your own private address. So if you're interested in doing that and that falls in, in your wheelhouse, then you are looking for Swan Bitcoin. With Swan Bitcoin, the three main takeaways are we've, we can do automatic withdrawal from a bank account, automatic purchases of BTC. You can time them based on your uh, when you receive your check. You know, you can do it, uh, you know, let's say once um, you can do it once a month um, or you can do it per pay period as well. Um, there's lots of options for you to be able to customize how you purchase and you could automatically withdraw to your uh, your chosen address so if you're interested in a bitcoin only platform um, that is doing the uh, the great work of helping onboard people then you definitely want to check out swan bitcoin i'm gonna have the uh, the link to their website in the show notes all right sit back here is my chat with j get btc all right, everybody. Thank you very much for joining me on the Fun with Bitcoin podcast. I have fellow Bitcoiner with me, Jay Get BTC. And, you know, like some people put a PhD in their name. Well, he's got a BTC in his name. And um, we actually, uh, you know, we've gone back and forth on Twitter a little bit. And recently there was a thread with a, with a no-coiner that just absolutely blew my mind. And and Jay Geth was by far one of the most patient people I'd ever seen go back and forth with a no-coiner without just totally dumping on him. And I was like, you know what? I'm like, people need to people need to experience this this kind of patience. So Jay, I'm really glad to have you on my podcast, man. Thank you for joining me. Glad to be here. Glad to be here. So customary on the Fun with Bitcoin podcast, before we dig into all of these debunk narratives, because that, that's what this show is really going to be about. Um, I mean, th- this no-coiner came in to this thread and, and threw, it, uh, threw at us every single garbage argument that we've heard for the last 10 years. So we're going we're gonna to go through and dismantle as much of that as, as we can. But before we do that, let's talk about um, where were you, you know, before Bitcoin? You know, who's the thinker behind the thought and how are we here now? 
You get three questions in one shot. All right. <laughs> I've always I've, I've always been looking forward to the time when someone asked me what my Bitcoin radical story is. <laughs> awesome. Um. So. Well, I, you know, was listening to Rush in high school and that pretty much, uh, you know, everything after that came from there. So <laughs> libertarian, you know, all that good stuff. Um, but, um, you know, so I, I never I don't I couldn't say that I ever really was that aware of the idea of, of digital money or anything like that before Bitcoin or even how important something like that would be. But I. Uh, when I, you know, first heard about it, I was definitely, you know, definitely kind of piqued my interest a little bit. Um, but, you know, oh, this is kind of cool. Um, and that was probably, you know, 2013, 2014, somewhere around there. Um, but it, it took me a while to, um, to really, you know, kind of get, get my feet wet. Um, I, uh, I kind of remember like, the price was somewhere in the 500 600 range and that was like my first time where i was like oh this thing might you know really be real um and then you know from there the usual you know andreas uh, antonopoulos video mm -hmm. watching um and uh you know kind of just kept getting into it sucked into it from there um i i, I had a brief like uh thing where i was like doing faucets all the time so like because i didn't want to like actually go out and buy it you know like that was like <laughs> just i couldn't like i couldn't just cross that line you know um so i was doing out surveys and crap like that and and you know actually did get a little bit of a few satoshis that way so i mean Very it, cool. it did actually work but um you know just like eventually was like, this is, this is stupid. What am I doing? Um, but, um, you know, I guess from there, I, I, it was, and then, you know, watched the, uh, watched the, the block size wars and without really fully understanding what was going on, like technically, but, um, at that point, you know, was interested enough to be like kind of following along, uh, mostly on Reddit mm. at that point. Um, and, uh, you know, it was, understood enough to know that it was like this was kind of like a, a coup attempt, and that it was resilient to that. You know, it was actually able to to uh, you, people were able to fight back against something like that. Which you know, obviously, I think for everyone that was like a, the first real test of like, okay, is this thing gonna survive a some you know an attack like that? And um, then you know soon after that was like the 2017 run-up and you know that was that's like your first taste of fomo like you know, oh, i should have bought i should have and uh so and then and then really it was like after that uh i mean so 20 like early 2019 the price was like really down in the dumps and that was like my light bulb moment like 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 holy crap it's you know it's like three thousand four thousand dollars like this never you know it's only going to go up. And I, I remember asking myself, uh, would, would I buy, if I bought now at this price, would I buy more in a month if it goes down 
And the answer was yes. And I'm like, okay, that means I got to buy it right now. So um, that was, and so at that point I was like, you know, I wouldn't say all in, but you know, I was definitely like, I was orange pilled at that point. So, and yeah, so <laughs> I can keep going. <laughs> well, that's, it, I actually, uh, I, there was a couple of things. So, um, you know, to your point, that was one of the things that really stuck out with me also was when we got to that price point of like the 3400 you know, and, and then you had people like Tone Vase, you know, talking about the, oh, you know, next level down is 27 and then, you know, into the 1K and all this garbage. And, mm -hmm. and all I kept imagining was this, right? If it went to that price, would I buy more? And, yeah. the, and the answer was yes. And, and so I knew that I had to buy more where I was now, which was at that yeah. time in the, in the 3K range. So yeah, yeah. absolutely that. Um, so, so I just wanted to go back to something you said at the beginning. Um, so what was it about, uh, about, cause you said, you, you know, uh, that you're libertarian, but like, what was it about Bitcoin that, that attracted you? Because you didn't mention any of the tech stuff. So I, I'm thinking like, what is it philosophical? Was it, uh, you know, something that it was just better than gold or what was it? Yeah. Um, I mean, that's a good question. I guess, uh, I mean, the tech is definitely very interesting to me. I mean, I, I am kind like, you know, a little bit in that business myself as far as like software, you know, mm -hmm. but, uh, nothing to do with Bitcoin, but, uh, I, um, you know, I think, I, I think what's really like, you know, probably more, you know, at this point, at least in my kind of journey i i'd probably say i'm more like interested in the philosophy of it and you know the kind of austrian economics part of it i mean i i always kind of like was aware of austrian economics and and you know sympathetic to it but i can't say i was you know any kind of you know ardent acolyte of it at any point um until now maybe <laughs> but uh um, I'm still learning a lot on that. And, uh, you know, I guess as far as like Bitcoin, I mean, I, you know, really it's like those early Andreas, Andreas, uh, videos, man. I mean, they just, they really can like <laughs> pull the wool from your eyes and, 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 uh, just, you know, I mean, he, he does a great job of like, of, of explaining how Bitcoin is more than just the tech and more than just this, you know, internet money that's being, you know, fast payments or whatever other kind of like more pedestrian use of Bitcoin might be. And that, that this thing is like bigger than that. This is like civilization changing uh, phenomenon. And um so, I mean, you know, I got to give him credit for a really, uh, you know, Orange Bill and me and, and many others, obviously. Um, yeah, his stuff definitely helped Orange Pill me as well. One of my favorite videos of his is um, uh, 50 currencies that are worth less than goat shit. And that, that, that video, I actually recommend that video to almost everybody that wants to get into Bitcoin because it's not that long and he kind of does this great summary did um let me ask you this did you ever see the tim ferris uh podcast with uh it was naval and nick zabo have you ever I, seen that one 
I don't think I've seen that one. I kind of like, uh, kind of knew about Ferris and and was like kind of interested, but never really like got that into them. That's a great one. Um, but that one is kind of like you've already been introduced to Bitcoin, and now you you hear you know Nick talk about it, which yeah. obviously he gets you know much more technical and discussing you know the Merkle trees and everything like that and the cryptography and it it, it totally you know. <laughs> yeah. like like that definitely kind of gets you a little bit more excited about the uh the technicals of it yeah i mean actually no that I, th- hey, I might have might have run across that one now that i think about it but um yeah i'll go definitely look that one up and uh, check it out. <laughs> so this Not that I need any more uh <laughs> rabbit hole uh descent at this point but uh but yeah the more the merrier you can't go wrong with it I always watch. I, you know what? It's like, even if it's stuff I've already seen, even if it's stuff I already know, you know what? Sometimes they bring up things that like, oh yeah, I didn't, you know, I forgot about that, you know, kind of yeah. thing. So, uh, I mean, I, I think it's worthwhile going back and watching some of those Andreas videos still. I oh mean, yeah. I, I look at it like, I don't, you know, I mean, he's kind of lost his way a bit, but man, mm-hmm. I love it. I, he's like, um, he's like listening to like your favorite band, you know, and is like, you know, maybe their newer stuff is like not so great, but you still love them. <laughs> You know, like you're still going to like listen to their old stuff. And like, yeah, awesome. I like that analogy, man. That's great. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. Okay. So we are going to we're, we're going to dive into uh, we're going to dive into this thread. Right. Um, hold on. Let me just because that that is just totally priceless. The uh, it's like listening to your favorite band. <laughs> um, okay. So. All right. So this this thread. Right. Um. This guy, uh, Thomas, all right, well, we don't have to give his whole name, but uh, we're, we're going to link to the thread anyways in the show notes, okay? But essentially, this guy stepped in on, on this thread by uh, Brian Rommel, or Rommel? I, uh, I can't really pronounce his, uh, his name correctly, okay? Um, and his thread was essentially, it starts off like this. It was 1967 when R. Buckminster Fuller predicted Bitcoin. And he quoted, I'll talk about something that would be one of the realizations by 2018, a realistic scientific accounting system of what is wealth. Wealth isn't the gold of pirates. Wealth is energy. And that spawned a very long discussion with this gentleman named Thomas, which through every single debunked argument that 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 we've ever had okay and and it starts off with bitcoin enables criminals okay so all right i number one bitcoin does not enable any type of crime that does not already occur okay the medium of exchange does not become the reason for a crime to occur (laughs) so let me ask you jay like what are your thoughts on bitcoin enables criminals (laughs) (laughs) wow (laughs) Since you asked, um, <laughs> I have just 50 tweets. Yeah, that was so much. <laughs> Trust me, it took me forever digging back through this thing. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I guess, you know, obviously it's absurd. I mean, the, the two uh, the two things that he was most hung up on were both existed, uh, which were... Um, child porn yep. and uh, I can't even remember the other one to be honest. Oh, uh, like a well, ransomware that, attack. That's right. I mean, both of those things happened before Bitcoin was a thing. So, I mean, 
just right there, it's it's absolutely absurd. I mean, it's you know, and I guess his point was that uh, that you know because this somehow makes it easier or better, you know, this is somehow an improvement for criminals to to do those things. But but again, that doesn't facilitate that doesn't make the crime possible. I mean, that's that's a different issue. So. But if we're really talking about what facilitates uh, crime in terms of payment, right? If we're going to choose a payment type, um, cash would most likely be the ideal for crime. Yeah, yeah. I so mean, it, it just doesn't it just doesn't really make any sense. Like th- that that was his first initial argument on this, and and it was like what. You know, like of of all the things, you really think it enables it enables crime? Like, let me tell you something. There there was plenty of there was plenty of drugs, okay, and drug transactions and crime before Bitcoin occurred. It didn't all of a sudden have a spike or an influx. What and I think what he doesn't understand is is this right? Is that Bitcoin reduces friction in transactions, and if we look at technology. Okay, if we look at the cell phone, we look at the internet. What are what one of the major underpinnings of these uh, of this techno of these technologies is that they reduce friction. So what Bitcoin did, okay, um, is instead of like you know instead of a person having to risk getting stabbed or mugged or shot, you know, in a you know a drug transaction or something like that. If we are going to go into that realm, right? Okay, what did it do? It actually made doing that transaction safer because it reduced the friction. The two parties no longer have to meet and you now either don't have to possibly go to a sketchy neighborhood, deal with a sketchy person. So, you know, if you ask me, it actually kind of raised the quality of what is something that occurs, whether we want it to or not, it does occur. So it made it actually safer. At least that's been my take. Yeah, I, I agree. It's certainly for drug, you know, any kind of drug thing. And I mean, you know, the whole war on drugs thing is just such a total, utter failure that, you know, I mean, and then, you know, you look at what happened with the Silk Road. I mean, they, they were actually providing a much better alternative to, you know, shady drug deals in alleys. And, you know, I mean, it's just it's beyond tragic. But, um, you know, I mean, I guess in this case, you know, he would probably argue that, well, we don't really want to be doing that for people committing these types of crimes, uh, because certainly the two examples he picked were, I think, you know, arguably different than like a drug deal where, yeah. you know, which is really kind of a victimless uh, crime and versus these things, which where there is a clear victim. Um, but I, I think, uh, you know, I mean, the main point is just that he uh was arguing that i i felt like his his point was that he thought that the police shouldn't be somehow inconvenienced by new technology which is just i mean it just doesn't make any sense i mean we would be living in the stone age if that were our primary concern i mean we 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 new technology is always coming and you know we all adjust to it whether we're legal law-abiding people or criminals or police or government or whoever i mean we we have to we have to adapt to the technology not the other way around oh absolutely you know a hundred percent and and uh, i'm sorry just to you know go back to the uh the the point of obviously we you know you don't want to enable you know illegal behavior but why 
you know, it's like, why should there be a violent crime possibly attached to it as well? In, right, in, right. in that behavior. Yeah, so, perfect. so I totally right. get it. But like, it, it's like, to me that his argument like turns a blind eye to the fact that this is happening anyways. You're, you're not going to stop it entirely. So, right, right. so it's like, why make and it you, as dangerous? And you stop it by, you know, just good old fashioned police work and, you know, catching the bad guy. But you're right. I mean, whatever type of impediment is put in place artificially by using a, you know, now essentially archaic monetary, you know, money system, you're, you're not going to create a better situation, even for those crimes that take place. It's like, you know, that doesn't mean that those, that's good that those things are happening, but no. yeah, you're, you're, you're creating friction there and that's only going to have bad outcomes essentially. Now, this goes to another point that he made, right, uh, which was the um, which was the point about um, hold on a second. This was. That Bitcoin is anonymous and as a result, right, there, there was that argument about the hospital shooting and or something and that they couldn't find it and it was funded with Bitcoin. And as a result, uh <laughs> I, I, I'm sorry, I got to try to find this, but it was the most ridiculous assertion ever that, that somehow Bitcoin facilitated this crime um, because it's anonymous. So, uh, again, th this is an old debunk, you know, an old idea that's debunked. Bitcoin is not anonymous, it's pseudonymous. So, yeah. so right there, he went in with the wrong assertion and then, you know, carried that argument. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, I think it just, uh, well, I guess one kind of, you know, broader point is just, just the fact that, you know, so many of the arguments are basically very low quality. I mean, I've come to realize that, you know, you can't, there's so little FUD is actually like really on solid footing. I mean, I would say almost really none of it, as far as I know, um, waiting for somebody to like, come out with some new fun that's like really actually valid or good and uh you know it, it's yet to happen so um and i think you know it's like you can't really argue with the truth i mean it's like and and you can your arguments are guaranteed to be bad if you're if you're wrong so i mean you know <laughs> that's true <laughs> not to like you know pat myself on the back too much but i mean it was just you know it's pretty easy to dunk on him and i you know that was kind of part of the fun with this with this thread and why I kept going for as long as I did, because it was just like this, like a nice little, you know, sparring uh, session, like in the boxing ring with, you know, where you get to just like, you know, you know, wail on a guy for a while. And it was, you know, it, it, yeah, it was like a, it was like a practice run, and and I thought it was remarkable because I I never you know it's kind of funny right like you'll you'll read through threads and you know you read articles where these ideas come in and they're debunked and you're thinking does anybody still really come up with this stuff and lo and behold th this guy had an the the arsenal of everything that's already been been answered <laughs> you know? yeah so uh, speaking of which uh, he he made this other comment uh, that you know, you know, about, about the internet. Uh, there was a, a point here where you guys were talking about technology. Okay. And he goes on to say that the difference is that the internet didn't replace something that was already working. Yeah. And it's like, so wait a second. So you think 
that money is working right now. And, and this is kind of where we go into the whole, you know, inflating away of our value and the fact that, you know, the government prints money ad nauseum and, you know, kind of lops us into this endless, you know, hamster wheel of, of existence yeah. in, in terms of uh, financial existence. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I don't know if we really got into like inflation per se. Hmm. Um, I mean, what ended up, which, you know, is obviously absolutely spot on, but I, I think, um, you know, where it ended up kind of going was more along the lines of, uh, surveillance and whether or not um that's a good thing or a bad thing and i mean he clearly thought it was that or you know or at least a little bit you know he was kind of like well you know what's wrong with just a little bit of surveillance and um you know it's like i mean that to me has always been one of the major things about bitcoin that's really why it's as important as it is is is, you know we're like on the precipice here of we're about to fall off the cliff of this, you know, fiat, dig, you know, central bank digital money. And it's like, man, that is, that is a really scary future. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's like, you know, 2008 and, you know, Satoshi comes out with, the, with this and it's like, ah, uh, I mean, it's just like this, this gift, you know, that we got, <laughs> you know, to be, to, to, to be, shitting on it now is like like what are you doing man it's like this is this is our chance you know one of his you know that that speaks to why how i got you know kind of triggered and like sucked into this thing i guess and and one of his one of his arguments uh, again another one that he had was about the uh, the soft forks right that well you know we could just make another one and again you know this is this is one of those things you know the bitcoin network has accrued the most value it has an ever-increasing hash rate, okay, which secures the network. You have to imagine, like, why would billions, why would billions of dollars of value that transacts every single day all of a sudden move to a ledger with less security that is not decentralized, that does not have the predictable monetary policy of Bitcoin? And, you know, I mean, obviously he didn't have an answer for that, but what he was concerned with was that you can't use it to buy groceries. He was very concerned with the yeah. fact that you couldn't buy groceries with Bitcoin. So I got to ask you, Jay, how concerned are you that we right now can't buy groceries with Bitcoin? Which actually isn't true because you could, through BitRefill, um, get yourself a uh, you know get yourself a a prepaid card, which through Bitcoin and buy groceries. So, but if you uh, yeah, want if you I, wanted to waste it on groceries. So. I, uh, I can't find my exact response to that, but uh, basically, if I remember right, it yeah. was something along the line. Why the hell <laughs> anybody want to buy groceries with Bitcoin? I mean, you've got the most scarce asset in the world, and you're going to use that to buy groceries. Like, I mean, I wouldn't buy groceries with gold either for basically the same reason. I mean, I am definitely no gold bug, but... Uh, you know, I mean, it's it's just it's just absolutely, I, I don't know that that whole argument mind is is just boggles my mind. And I know, I mean, there's been a lot of of, of tweets wasted on Twitter about the circular economy and all that. And 
uh, you know, I, I, I definitely uh, read a lot of those. And I, but it's just, you know, right now, in this point in time, it is all about accumulation and store value. And, you know, I just the idea that uh, someone is going to that that is like the most important thing right now. I mean, that's, that's what really gets me is like, that's, that's the least important thing right now, <laughs> you know, I mean, we're, we're fighting central bank digital currency right now, you know, that's, that's the fight. Uh, we've got plenty of very fast payment options available and with, you know, PayPal and all that. I mean, no one's, that's not a problem that anybody needs solved right now. No. Uh, but, uh, yeah, he, he, he's, you know, I think, you know, I mean, it's a very common, uh, bud thing that, you know, I mean, it's, you know, plays right into the, um, you know, be casher thing and all that. And I mean, it's just, I mean, a lot of times in these types of, uh, back and forth, so I'm, I just, I'm waiting for like, you know, the be cash, uh, spiel and you know he never did so I mean you know it's part of the reason why I kept going as long as I did is that you know he did seem genuinely um, like he didn't have any you know shitcoin secret agendas which I mean I have seen that many times so mm -hmm. um, but uh, you know this this time he seemed pretty genuine about it. I mean you know he was obviously I think, in my opinion, misguided about a lot of things, but, you know, he seemed like he wanted to learn, I guess, you know, so. yeah, he seemed it, worth the effort, I guess. Yeah, exactly. He, he did. It's like he, you know, he did seem like he wanted to learn. And I do want to say that by the end of the conversation, he started to, he started to turn and like agree with some of your points. Um, yeah. so, so that was, that was actually pretty, you know, like I, I saw some, some, so some, uh, conceding, you know, going on, yeah, you know? Yeah. I, mean, yeah, I think uh, that's basically where it ended for me was, uh, he said something along the lines of, uh, well, you know, I'm, I am kind of interested in this whole independent money thing, you know? I'm like, okay, man, you're there. You're there. It's like, you're almost there. My work is done. <laughs> there, there was, um, but it was funny. There was one argument that he brought up, which which people have brought up uh, before, and it's stocks. Now, what people don't understand about stocks, especially today, as compared uh, to the uh, to the past, um, is that today you no longer even get a stock certificate. Like when you go and buy stocks, let's say from uh, E-Trade. Uh, I'm sorry, E-Trade. Um, I always call it E-Turd. I don't know why. Uh, but anyways, whenever you buy stocks from there, um, think of it like, you know, you are you don't actually get a stock certificate. And really, it, it's all it is is an IOU from E-Trade to the actual brokerage that, that goes uh, even, I think, further back to the issuer of the stock. So you're, you're like three places removed from that stock. Um or I should say three positions removed from that stock because you really have no certificate. You can't go to a window and exchange something for something. There's nothing there. So the the idea that, and, and of course, you know, the whole thing about stocks is, well, look, you know, it, it, a stock is from a, you know, issued by a company that has returns and they make this fallacy of comparing stocks to Bitcoin. 
okay, or Bitcoin to stocks, which I, I think is just a, a logical, it, it's, it's just a logical fallacy because uh, at the end of the day, they are not the same thing. You know, Bitcoin is a network and a token, whereas stocks are just IOUs, which can be increased and decreased. Um, we'll, we're not going to say at the company's will because there does have to be some voting involved, but it's pretty damn close. Yeah, I mean, I think I he had he wanted to know. I I had well in related in relation to the the buying groceries thing. I said, you know, why would you anyone want to trade this something that is scarce? You know, and and I think from there we we brought up the the thing about you know stocks, real estate, um, being and gold even being you know things that can inflate indefinitely and uh yeah i think at some point i said well you know stocks can be you know companies can issue more stock i mean that's that's i wouldn't say easy to do but you know there's certainly ways for them to do that and they do it all the time absolutely uh, and then of course real estate you know you can always build skyscrapers taller and i mean you know there's i mean land is a little bit of an exception but uh, i think someone else pointed out that hey i mean there's plenty of planets out there so uh you know we're going to the moon here, so uh. <laughs> it's, it's the same argument with gold, right? Gold is yeah, go, gold, gold is yeah. un, universal stardust. It's everywhere. So. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's no shortage. I mean, it, and even on Earth, there's plenty. I mean, I, that whole gold argument of you know, oh, we're going to mine asteroids. It's like, well, I mean, yeah, that's not going to happen anytime soon. No, but uh, but there's, I mean, it doesn't matter. There's plenty on Earth to be extracted if if there's the right amount of incentive to do so so um you know there's it's definitely not uh immune to inflation i mean it, it does uh, and i think i mean i've always thought that maybe that's why we kind of target that two percent is because you know gold is because of that historical uh it's kind of like you know they they want they want to trick people into thinking it's like gold you know so they they try to keep it at the same target but then of course you know they don't <laughs> yeah exactly and um interestingly uh, you know what you're talking about gold so yes right like the reality is is that we're, we're probably very far off from mining gold on asteroids um but the reality is is that i think to this date we we only have assumptions as to how much gold is in the ground right so yeah, or, and, ground. <laughs> uh, yeah exactly and and so we mine uh one to two percent of the current supply or something like that the that we believe exists. And, mm -hmm. and so this somehow creates this, you know, this, this kind of the scarcity for gold. So I, I mean, again, we don't know how much is in the earth, um, but it's also not very practical for payments going forward. I don't see too many people walking around with some type of special machine to have slivers of, you know, make <laughs> slivers of gold. And, you know, because of course somebody will just say, well, you can have predetermined amounts, you know, but it's like, yeah, yeah. but eventually you're going to end up in a situation where you have to pay something different, you know, which is right. why, which is why it didn't always work. And it wasn't always practical for people to walk around with pennies, nickels and dimes and quarters and have all of this change on them. You know, it's, yeah. it, it just isn't practical. So. Yeah. so let's let's start <laughs> issuing paper uh, certificates. And, you know, it's like, I, I don't know why you'd want to reinvent that whole wheel. And uh, I mean, you know, outside of this one thread, I've, I've definitely spent some time on uh, Peter Schiff's threads, you know, going back and forth with, uh, 
with um, gold bugs there and uh, had some fun doing that. I actually just, I kind of like took a little Peter Schiff break recently because I was just was like, man, this guy's just hopeless. I can't remember what he <sighs> tweeted, but it was just like, uh, what, I didn't what, take it. <laughs> what was it the, um, what was it the one about uh, recently? This one, I, I blocked him so I don't end up seeing his stuff because it's just, I don't like to get, I don't like to let myself get triggered by people that are obvious trolls. But like um, he recently tweeted about how, uh, you know, MicroStrategy bought, you know, has $425 million of Bitcoin square, 50 million. And yet the Bitcoin price doesn't move, you know, like some kind of BS yeah. argument like this. It's like, yeah, man. I think that was actually the, the one. <laughs> yeah. It's like, if, you, if you're still like, like, I mean, companies are falling like dominoes here and you're still like, you just, uh, I mean, it, I, you know, he obviously has his bags to, to protect and he's, you know, I mean, I, nobody's going, I, the purpose of ever arguing with anyone is, isn't, isn't usually, at least on Twitter is not, you're not going to convince them typically. No. Uh, but, you know, I think there's still, there's still, you know, a couple of reasons to do it. Like you can refine your own ideas and, and, you know, kind of hone your, your, uh, arguments or whatever. Mm -hmm. And, um, and then, uh, you can, uh, you know, there's an audience. So, I mean, you're really doing it, you know, I mean, at least maybe, I mean, I, I'm not, I don't have delusions of grandeur here. I don't think there's, you know, millions of people reading my tweets or anything, but you know, I mean, people go through these threads and I mean, like sometimes you'll see, like you get like a week later or a month later, like a like out, out of nowhere for like something you said, like you know, in one of these, uh, kind of no coiner, uh, brawls or whatever. And, and so you're like, eh, you know, maybe I'm doing some good here. You know, I mean, there's some, some, some good is coming out of this. And, uh, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's, he's, he's pretty, I, I'm, I'm, I wouldn't say I'm done with Peter Schiff, but, uh, or at least, you know, trolling or lurking in his threads, but, um, you know, I got to take a break on this. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's, it's, it gets old after a while. So, so his big argument, okay, against Bitcoin is that there's, there's no intrinsic value and we can't make stupid trinkets out of it. That that's that that's what that's what I've always learned about Peter Schiff. If you can't make if you can't make cufflinks, you know, go home. Yeah. So yeah. What do you think? Okay. So first of all, what what do you think about the the intrinsic the the no intrinsic value argument? I mean, obviously, there's that great article by I don't remember who it might be Parker Lewis. I could be getting that wrong, but the Bitcoin has no intrinsic value, and I'm okay with that. Um, it's a really great article from, I think about a year or two ago. I'll see if I could find it and post it in the show notes, but what are your thoughts on the Bitcoin has no intrinsic value proposition and is that, uh, and is that good or bad? Yeah. I mean, I think I I've gone kind of back and forth on that because I mean, obviously there's nothing physical, uh, there, but, um, you know, I, I think it's certainly, uh, completely plausible that there's no you don't need to have something physical to have intrinsic value um but i also think i've also so you know you could say well okay so bitcoin does have some intrinsic value and it's you know for fast things i don't know what but on the other hand i think it's also i've also kind of come to to realize that really it, for money having some other non-monetary use is actually you know 
takes away from its effectiveness as money. Um, Whether, you know, whether it's being used for, uh, you know, gold teeth or, uh, you know, cufflinks or whatever else Peter Schiff thinks it's, it's useful for. It's like, well, I mean, if that's, if it's useful for those things, then, then use it for those things, you know, like let, let money just be used for money and let, you know, then you buy, use the money to buy the stuff that you make gold with, you know? And so I, whenever I read like, you know, oh, well, gold and Bitcoin can work, you know, they can be side by side and work together. I'm like, yeah, they can, because you can use Bitcoin to buy the stuff that's made with gold. So they, they work very well together. Um, and, uh, you know, I mean, it's like nobody, I, it, jewelry is kind of the, the odd case, but, um, you know, as far as like, it is kind of like, it kind of serves the dual purpose of, of a store of value and um, a functional thing, I guess, in a way, because, you know, you, you know, it's beautiful. There's some uh, artistic quality to it. Uh, there's the skill of the jewelry maker um that you're showing off but i think you know i mean most people don't show it off for that reason i mean no you know it's typically not you're not walking around saying oh look at look at how good my dentist is at at making these gold teeth you're 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 flashing your gold teeth because you want people to see how wealthy you are you know and in that sense it's you know it's a store of value that you're basically showing off um and you know jewelry is kind of the same way it's like you're you know you're not like like wearing some gold necklace i mean maybe because it is artistically beautiful but like i mean for the most part it's just to flaunt you well um well to to touch on i'm sorry just to touch on that point though right um you know people pay a premium because uh in some cases interestingly enough uh for gold or silver when it comes to you know like you said you know some fancy design or whatnot but then what happens when you bring that gold or silver in to a place like Kitco and you want to sell it? They, yeah. <laughs> they, they give, they give zero fucks uh, about yeah, the, they're not uh, looking at <laughs> all they care no, about they is amazingly intricate. That necklace is like, they don't <laughs> care. They melt it down. Ex- exactly. They just want to find out how much of this content is gold. How much of this is yeah. nickel. And you know what I mean? Or whatever, you know, whatever other, um, uh, whatever other metals were used, right, in, in the making of it, separate it out, what are the percentages, and here's what you're going to get paid. So, I, I, you know, that, that kind of brings us back to the artist of the gold. You know, there is some subjective value, um, but it's it's temporary and it's um, it's unpredictable. <laughs> and yeah. I, I, I don't really, you know, it's like you, you wouldn't, you know, again, you know, I... I, I think to your point, that actually takes value um, away from the ability for these metals to be money. Yeah. You know, yeah. The, the fact that you can make trinkets out of it, I get that there is a useful purpose. That's fantastic. But if we want money to actually be money and to serve its purpose, then I think that that's exactly what it should be and nothing yeah. else. You know, we only... You, oh, go ahead. If you look at other you know, forms of money historically, I mean, you know, up until, I mean, Bitcoin is, is the amazing thing that it is because it was the first thing that was basically just pure money. Mm. Um, But up until that point, there was this progression of, you know, if you look, you know, if you think of it as, you know, percentage of, of non-monetary use to to monetary use, you know, there was a progression, whether it's, you know, from seashells or whatnot. I mean, now the one exception Mm. that might be rye stones because they have, 
essentially in very other very few other uses other than money which is why they are used like by Saifedean as a you know this analogy for bitcoin mm-hmm. um, but um you know seashells or or whatever i mean these things had other uses and and over time the amount of monetary uses just was constantly being increased and i think once they stumbled on gold they realized you know or nobody actually realized but there was you know consensus formed around this as being the the good with the least physical uses i mean it's only been in the last 50 years where we've you know people figured out oh it's a good conductor so they've started using that that's right but that's that's you know that that is negligible or trivial for the whole case of why gold ever became used as money in the first place i mean it was used as money because it had because you could do almost nothing else with it and it but it had good monetary properties and i mean that's something that gold bugs obviously completely missed i mean they, they've so they're so blinded by their their gold colored glasses that they just they can't see that i i totally agree and um you know to your point you know about that with uh with gold I think that one of the the major you know one of the major things about it is is that it was it's difficult to produce right it's it's difficult uh, you know to to mine it's very expensive to mine you know people so that brings us over to the Bitcoin you know Bitcoin kills the world right the the, the yeah. whole analogy that it's it's boiling the oceans it's uh, you know killing babies it's it's doing all these things so yeah. there there's a whole bunch of energy that's being wasted where. Bitcoin captures that energy and ends up using it. And what people don't also realize is, is that like gold, it's extremely expensive to ma- to create Bitcoin. It's very intensive in terms of, uh, you know, the, the hardware that you have to purchase and that you have to run, the amount of electricity that you have to run. And then on top of that, Bitcoin actually gives a side gift, which is heat. So, which yeah. actually does get harnessed and does get used. So there, there are people there. There are um, there are accounts of of people and even businesses using that heat. So, yeah. Well, I uh, just recently listened to a Michael Saylor interview. And I think it was Peter McCormick, and he's made I thought it was a great point I never thought of before, which is that you know the difference between Bitcoin and gold is that with gold the miners are your enemy. You know they're they're inflating the supply. They're like they're like more akin to the central bank basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and all of the energy that's spent on mining and all of the destruction and, and, and horrible things that happen there. I mean, you know, slave labor in Africa or whatever childhood, um, that's all essentially being done. You know, that's not helping people who actually hold gold. It's, it's actually, you know, working against them. Whereas with Bitcoin, it's the opposite. I mean, the, the, the energy spent on mining Bitcoin is, is actually helping everybody who holds Bitcoin and, you know, it's securing the network and, you know, so I mean, to say it's a waste is, is just to say that, I mean, the people who think it's a waste are the people who think Bitcoin is, is a waste or is, is useless or whatever. So, I mean, you know, it's, of course, if you think it's, a waste and you're going to think that whatever energy it takes to run that network is a waste. I mean, that's just like a, a given. I mean, it's not really an argument. It's just, you're just, it's a pathology or, you know, it's, it's pointless. Just even say it. It is. Like, just, just say you think Bitcoin's a waste. I mean, that's all you got to say. Really. Exactly. 
you know, and, and at the end of the day, the other piece of it that I, you know, I always like to think of is, is that everybody who says that Bitcoin wastes all this energy has never shown an argument to prove that all of the energy that we waste maintaining all of these banks and maintaining all of this, you know, this infrastructure, how much energy is wasted there? And guess what? They can inflate that money anytime they want. Whereas, yeah. Bit, you know, yeah. whereas Bitcoin... We have a predictable, you know, we, we have a predictable monetary policy. We know exactly how many Bitcoin we are going to have. And it's going to be that minus whatever gets lost, whatever is unrecoverable. Okay. Which actually works to the entire network's benefit in terms of value, in, ter in terms of uh, value retention and creation. So, yeah. So if you think of the energy that was used to create all the money in the world before 2020 or all the US dollars, and then consider the fact that they've, that you know, twenty percent of the money that's been created in U.S. dollars has been created in twenty twenty. How, how much of that energy pre twenty twenty was just wasted by that? I mean, all of it, technically. Yeah, I, mean, I mean, and, and yeah. people are sitting here arguing that that Bitcoin is 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 wasting energy. It's like, are you are you actually objectively looking at what system you're living in? You know, like what yeah. we live in. If you if you do, you start to see the benefits of Bitcoin. You truly do. Yeah. yeah. And I think, you know, with with this thread, I mean, you know, that was and, and other threads as well. I mean, you you quickly realize that people do not think things through. I mean, they right. don't they, they look at something and superficially just kind of understand like, oh, crime is bad. Bitcoin, you know, this Bitcoin was involved in this crime somehow. So therefore, Bitcoin is bad. I mean, it's like um, I think of it as like, a, you know, going to to the whole low low time preference, high time preference, time preference thing. It's like, it's a real high time preference way of thinking where you just kind of look at the surface. You don't take things to their logical conclusions. And, you know, I think, you know, the more low time preference thing, which I strive for, and, you know, I mean, no one's perfect, but uh, it's certainly something to strive for. Um, is to really think things through and like what's what's going to be the long-term consequences of this what's how does this play out um logically you know and thinking taking all things into account i mean with with this with thomas i think he you know he, his idea that well a little bit of uh surveillance is okay it's like you know i mean look look what's going on right now in china and and you know in, soon to be here too probably is you know it's if you give them an inch they take a mile i mean it's it's not going to end well they i mean all, all they've done i mean as you know right with the patriot act and everything like that i mean all, all they've done is strip away more and more and more of our freedoms and we've gotten to the point where the average person is so inundated that they they don't even care about their own privacy and and they and and it's interesting that the the brainwashing has come to the point where anybody that does care about privacy has something to hide. Yeah, you know, yeah. it's like no, it's got nothing to do with having something to hide. Yeah, you, you know, it's and like, I, oh, go ahead. Um, I mean, just agreeing with you. <laughs> oh well, I, I was just gonna say, you know, for the you know for for these things, it's like, hey. You know, people that sit there and say they have nothing to hide, you have nothing to hide right now. But what happens if they change the laws and it turns out that your perfectly legal thing yes. that you were doing nothing wrong with is now something that has to be hidden. Now you yep. need now you need privacy. And that does happen. 
Yeah. And that was one of the things uh, we talked about was, I mean, he, his position was, well, you know, I live in a place that is, has, you know, good, a good government, you know, it's, it's run very well and, and everything's fine. And it's like, I mean, that's what, that's how it always starts out. I mean, it's always, these things happen when it's the good guys in charge and, and the people are willing to let that happen because they think they have the, the wise rulers that are there to, you know, make everything nice for them. And it's not, you know, and then, you know, eventually that, that the bottom falls out as they're, you know, as they start printing money to cover all their, the promises they've made. And, uh, you know, it might, it, and I think part of the problem with a lot of this is that it, it does take, these things do take time. And so people have a really hard time, you know, planning, you know, looking ahead and thinking, okay, well, what's this going to do in 10, 20, 30 years, 50 mm -hmm. years? And uh, again, going back to that high time purpose, low time purpose thing, it's like, you gotta, you gotta think this thing through. Um, and so they, you know, they pass, they give away their freedoms. They, they slowly erode and, and, you know, then next thing they know is they've created an environment where, uh, you know, that's, that's ripe for some sort of strong, you know, strong-armed type leader and mm -hmm. to come in and and now they say oh well you know this isn't what we wanted this is we wanted you know we just wanted to be you know to fight crime or whatever it's like well you know i mean that's what you wanted but that doesn't mean you're not you know you just because you didn't get what you want just because it didn't end up the way you thought it was going to doesn't absolve you from you know your <laughs> crappy decisions that you made that's right uh, it's kind of like the whole like you know oh it's not real socialism it's like well i mean th this is what you, your attempt to make real socialism ended up this way so it's i mean call it what you want but this is this is on you man so speaking so of Sorry. So speaking, uh, speaking of that, right. Speaking of, of socialism. Um, so I, I read, uh, Hayek's, um, road to serfdom. And one, yeah. one of the main takeaways that, that I had from that is that, um, when we end up in these situations with the centralized government, it always leads to socialism and the socialism always leads to totalitarianism. It doesn't matter what you relabel it as. Okay. But when the essentially when the machine gets too big, okay, and there's zero accountability, and you introduce, you know, this fake money, it it always ends up leading to these problems. So yeah, yeah. Uh, that that was actually I mean that that was one of the few books I did read uh, early on, like mm. a lot many years ago, um, probably still in maybe even still in high school. Um, and uh, somehow, uh, unfortunately, it didn't, uh, I mean, it certainly influenced my thinking a lot, but, mm. um, you know, it didn't, it wasn't enough to snag me down the uh, Austrian rabbit hole at that time. But, um, but yeah, looking back on that, I mean, it did definitely have an influence on me. And, and I, I think, yeah, that, that whole concept of if you, if you build it, they will come, mm -hmm. uh, you know, is something that's not uh, talked about enough, um, at least within the right circles. Um, and I, I think it's, you know, it's essentially the, the, the whole and the argument of, you know, this isn't real socialism. It's like, well, you create the environment for that and it's going to happen. I mean, whether it's that's right. Uh, and, and I think that also applies for, you know, whatever kind of um, draconian surveillance state we're headed towards right now. I mean, you know, we're, 
all the KYC AML stuff, it's like it's all good intentions. But um, yeah. you know, it's your it's your road to hell is paved with good intentions thing. So I mean, I, well, it's questionable really if it's all good intentions, but they certainly sell it that way, you know. Oh well, it's it's always it's always sold as good intentions, right? And and don't forget, you know, the the best prisoner is the one that demands his own, you know, demands his own prison and his own shackles, right? You know, if you if you have everybody asking for it, <laughs> it's so much easier to give it to them. <laughs> yep. Oh man. And, and he he um. Ah, I can't remember what I was going to go with that. <laughs> well, I I was gonna I was gonna ask you uh, because you know th- this. Uh, our hours totally flown by, but uh, there was one last piece that uh, that I wanted to talk to you about. What do you think of, and, and I don't really know if we even went, I think um, we went into this on the thread, but I'm not 100% sure, um, government bans. Right? Yeah. The, the, yeah, the, the mean, government, like, yeah. So, so that was he one of his arguments. He brought up the fact that China and North Korea, like, this is never going to happen. I mean, what, one, or they'll never let it happen or whatever. Um, I think that, uh, the, the biggest point missed there is that, uh, yeah, of course, you know, there's going to be places where it's, you know, they, they try to clamp down on it. And I mean, you know, but like, I'm not going to, to argue that we should somehow, I mean, don't, don't be a part of that problem. You know, (laughs) like, you know, you don't, you don't want to, you don't want to be on their side here. Like if they're, if they're this clamp, if North Korea and China are clamping down on Bitcoin, well, I mean, Maybe it should occur to you that Bitcoin's <laughs> the good guys and yeah. you know, or on the good side, and and I, I don't know. I mean, it just seems odd to me that you could both think that China and North Korea, unless I mean, unless he's like you know, very in favor of that style of, of government. Um, I, presumably, he's, he's not, and he didn't seem like he was. Uh, how you could think that, well, you know, these companies, these countries might crack down. So it's like, well, okay, then you just admitted that <laughs> Bitcoin is actually a, a very good thing and a force and can, can be a force for good or else they wouldn't be doing that. So that, you know, and I mean, as far as the actual feasibility of it, I mean, you know, there's people in China that have Bitcoin, I'm sure. Uh, I mean, they, they, uh, take a very, I, I just listened to a podcast where the, uh, they interviewed the, um, the, the Kobo vault. Uh, oh, uh, Lee Shin. Yeah. Yeah. And he's I, awesome. I'm blanking on the uh, podcast right now, but uh, I thought it was very interesting how, you know, the, the you know, they said, it was John Dallas, I think. And he said um, that, you know, if the, the Chinese government is nothing if, if not practical, I mean, they're going to like, they, so they allow Bitcoin mining and mm-hmm. because it doesn't, you know, but they don't allow holding it. But I mean, how do they know uh, who is or who isn't? Um, and, uh, you know, so the, the idea that that countries are going to do something that, you know, is going are going to make this choice of do I do something that's going to like make me a ton of money because we can mine Bitcoin and sell it with all this stranded energy that would be wasted if we didn't use it. Or, you know, are we going to like take some sort of stand and like, you know, unite the world governments against Bitcoin? I mean, it's just, you know, I mean, there's an asymmetrical thing happening there where they're going to do the thing that's serves them in the moment. 
and not, you know, I mean, the chances of them somehow cooperating together as, as one world to, to shut it down is, is ridiculous. Yeah. I, I de- it's not worth it. I don't see it happening either. Um, I, I definitely, um, you know, going back to this point about, you know, Bitcoin being banned. Um, okay. So for me, I, you know, I, I'm along the same lines as you. I, I don't think, um, I don't think that a government ban is even, even if they do it temporarily, um, Bitcoin has a, has a way of finding its way through the cracks. So it may, you know, they may hobble, they, they may hobble it for a bit. You know, it, it may get, it may get, you know, slightly, you know, maybe slightly crippled, but it just won't die because the reality is any single one of us can just spin up a node. Any single one of us at that point, if it really does get banned in so many places, well, guess what? Then the, um, the difficulty is going to lower and you're going to have more people vying to come in to mine it. So yeah. I, I just, you know, I, again, I, yeah, if China were to crack down on mining, yeah. that would be like, that would be a boon to the rest <laughs> of the world. A gift to the rest of the world. Like here, you can, now you guys can mine Bitcoin and make money up. Exactly. So, yeah, they are, I mean, you cannot ban it. You can only uh, cut yourself off from, from it, from benefiting from it. So, I mean, if they, if any country wants to do that, they, I guess they can go ahead and do it. I, man, a hundred percent. Um, Jay, th- this has been a, this has been a great hour, man. Uh, it, it totally flew by. Uh, thank you so much for, uh, for coming on my pod. Um, but before we, uh, before we sign off, do you have any, uh, any final thoughts you want to leave with the, uh, with the listeners? Uh, oh boy. Um, yeah, I go another hour if you want. <laughs> um, no, uh, you know, I think one, one point that I brought up, uh, in the thread that I just want to throw out there was, uh, the story of the, the guy in Austria who left the country with, uh, by then with his, with his life savings by buying platinum and then bending it into coat hangers and sneaking out of, this was occupied, uh, Austria, um, in World War II and, uh, you know, uh, getting out of the country that way. And I, I think that was one of, i not hundred percent sure, but it seemed like this particular individual Thomas who I was uh, debating, I guess, uh, was from Germany. And so I think that that kind of maybe resonated with him a little bit um, because, you know, it's, it's, it really does. I mean, that's just the perfect illustration of the power of Bitcoin. I mean, when, you know, this was one guy in Austria during World War II. I mean, we now have something that can be used in the exact same way, except much, much with much less friction, um, and is available to the entire world. Population. That's right. I mean, that's just you know. I mean, what will that do in the next hundred years? Uh, you know, it's just. I mean, it's just mind blowing. You know. I mean, incredible so bitcoin is world money yeah yeah i mean and that was a point too that he often kind of glossed over was the fact that you know this isn't just about you and your country and your particular problems with whatever you know crimes people are committing i mean this this is way beyond that and you know affects everybody uh on the planet and can definitely be uh without question is a force for good hundred percent and we are part of that and we are we are part of that army of the force for good so absolutely jay thank you again man for uh, for coming on my pod this was really awesome thank you it's really been a pleasure to talk
talk Bitcoin, I don't get the opportunity too often. So no, I mean, you know what? I'm slowly, I'm slowly orange pilling my family. So I'm nice. So but my, even, even my wife's coming along. So I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm doing some good there. Hey, congratulations, <laughs> man! That's awesome. Yeah, I, uh, I. Pretty much without these podcasts, I wouldn't get to uh, to speak to uh, to too many people about Bitcoin. So thank you. I hope you enjoyed my chat with uh, with JGetBTC. His uh, contact details will be in the show notes. And of course, if you want to reach me on Twitter or Telegram, I'm at CoinIcarus. If you want to shoot me an email, I am CoinIcarus at funwithbitcoin.com. Thank you all for listening. Catch you all next time. <laughs>